Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, if I say the word sustainable to you, what are you? What does that mean to you? Hmm, I don't know. In this world, it's like sustainability. We got to recycle everything and yeah, keep like sustaining. Yes. Keep the environment working well. Yes. You know, keep, the, you right. know, keep the planet clean. Exactly. Not destroy all mankind. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Humanity within the next couple hundred years or so. Exactly. So. Well, but what if I pair that with growth? Ah, now we're and talking I'm business. Not, and I'm not talking the growth of like our bellies over the last right, year because right. we all sat at home during the pandemic and watched 100%. TV and ordered in all the bad food. <laughs> not that growth. No, I'm talking yeah. about business growth. Yes. Which, again, because of the last year, is probably a topic on the minds of a lot of our partners mm-hmm. and our friends and a lot mm-hmm. of people in this business world. Yep. Because even if you did have a, you know, a, a quality year last year, you may not have grown as much as you were hoping or liking to if you grew at all. Right. Uh, and if you didn't, then you, you might be on a track where this year and the coming years, you need to really start working on some growth. Yeah. So that is going to be the topic of our episode today is sustainable growth. Not nice. only just how to grow your business, but how to keep it growing at a uh, an even regular pace that you can you know that you can manage and control. And I think we're primed for that. You know, we've got I a lot so. of stimulus out <clears throat> there. We we need to talk some growth and how to sustain it. Great point. And we learned a lot over the last year, which hopefully would give re- people reasons to grow and oh. change and, and try out new things. So. Yep. So we're, we're, this is another one of our topics from our Tech Connect Today newsletter, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe we're bi-monthly, not monthly. We said bi-monthly, monthly, yes. I, I lied. Said, uh, yeah. I lied the other day. Dean yeah. lies all the so, time. So just, just so you know, it's, he's officially put that out there. He lies on the podcast. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> it uh, happens. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to dive a little bit of the topic. We're going to share six tips to achieve sustainable growth in your business. Uh, and, and you just kind of riff on, you know, maybe like, you know, what to expect out of it if you're mm-hmm. in that process, mm-hmm. uh, as well as our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, so our topic today, sustainable growth. As mm-hmm. I mentioned, this is another uh, one of the articles from our new Tech Connect Today newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, highly recommend it. I will link out to the previous uh, newsletter in the show notes and also put where you can go. You can go to techconnectportal.bluestarinc.com to sign up for, for next issues as they come out. It's filled with all kinds of content, but we're going to, I think on a fairly regular basis, we're going to start grabbing articles out of there yep. and spending a little time riffing on them, fleshing them out a little bit yep. and, and having a little more of a lengthy discussion. So this one, again, is about uh, this idea of sustainable growth. And as I said up top, you know, I, I, there's a lot of businesses I'm sure are struggling to figure out, hey, you know, we not only do we have to get back in the saddle mm-hmm. and get our business back underway and mm-hmm. back to full capacity of some sort after potentially a, a difficult year, or if you were a fortunate business that didn't, you know, have a lot of uh, you know a major impact over the last year as far as some of them grew. <clears throat> yeah, there you, was some you might have actually there. grown. And, and, Absolutely. And if so, great. Then we're going to tell you a little bit about how you can sustain that growth mm-hmm. because there's some pitfalls in mm-hmm. just randomly growing your business yep. and not really thinking about how to make sure that, that growth stays in place mm-hmm. and that you keep building on top of it. Yeah. So it, this is six tips in this article. We're going to go through each of them, riff a little bit on them. The first tip: excel at your core competency. Yep. Which. I, you know, a lot of these are going to sound like no-brainers, but you, but if you give them a little bit of thought, you start realizing like, hey, there's there's more to it than just the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, the idea behind this is, hey, 
if you're great at something and either it could be either a certain type of technology, it could be a certain industry that you're amazing in, like maybe mm-hmm. you're 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 great at healthcare or you are great at ADC. Mm-hmm. You know that's your your strength. You mm-hmm. know all there is to know about it. People come to you for that. That's great. You can hold out. Or maybe it's a a business skill of some sort instead. Maybe you excel at customer service or, ah, right. or after sales support or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Or you you know that you're just you're or you're great at the installation side of things. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, like people know they can depend on you to come in, get them up and running, have them ready to go out of the box on any piece of technology. Whatever that is, yeah. hold on to that core competency and make sure you are always doing well at it. Mm-hmm. No matter where else your business goes, keep that in intact. Because as long as it's still viable, it's it's a reason why a lot of your customers probably came to you. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why a lot of them are probably sticking with you, mm-hmm. and it's probably also what they're referring to you, referring you to uh, you know other potential customers. Hundred percent, excel at your core competency. And when you think about that, because a lot of businesses, every business on, on an annual basis is going through some kind of process of, hey, how are we going to grow next year? What are we going to do? You know, you have to keep in mind, if you will, that it's it's really difficult for a company to be all things to all people. And some companies get into that trap. You know, they're they're in their business, they got their core, and then they get an idea, or somebody in the company has an idea, or a customer starts taking them down a path, and it's like, hey, let's go explore this this type of things. And they start doing things that maybe are outside of the core, and and they see that as a way of growing the business. But what we're saying here is that you have to excel at your core competency, and do not forget that. Right? right? Do not forget what your core competency is. Continue to hone that. Um, but that is going to be that's going to be your cash cow. That's going to be what's going to enable you to grow. It, it, and we'll get into this here a little bit in, in ways in which you can grow. But there's a little bit of caution here too, because you don't want to overswing on that side right. either. You don't want to be that company that you know you got your core competency and I'm not going anywhere. You know we, we do this, right. <laughs> whatever it is. You know whatever this is, because what that's going to do is create an environment where you're just going to fade off into the distance. You know there's no innovation. You're not responding maybe to what's happening in the marketplace so um you can't you know you you have to be cautious about standing still too so there's a little bit of a dichotomy here but at the end of the road uh what we're saying here is excel at your core and, and really excel is a really good word here because it's not just saying hey keep your core business running right oh it's over here and it's excelling at your core means you are really staying in tune to what's going on around your core business what's happening around your core mm-hmm. business you're continuing to hone that it's you know you have to keep your business honed and and sharpened and things are happening out in the marketplace but you got to make sure that core is doing well that's a great way to to get long-term sustainability is through your core yeah and i i, I love the idea that what you just mentioned that, that uh, don't get too complacent, don't get too focused mm-hmm. on that competency, where to the point where you ignore any other potential opportunities. And I know it's Dude, it a, happens all the time. I, and I know this is an example that people think of it like this is an extreme, but I always think of like Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. It's one of those classic companies that I always think that man, they were so good at what they did. Yep. they were the premier video rental service and DVD when that came out too. But they 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 married themselves to physical media and just assumed that was the path forward, even when it was becoming abundantly clear that streaming was going to become a thing at some point. Mm-hmm. They 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 glommed onto it, they held onto it for far too long, and it ended up being their downfall. You know, they did their core well. 
<laughs> they did. They, they very Nobody much did. Nobody did VHS rentals like like Blockbuster did. But, but imagine if they had, along the way had been thinking ahead. Imagine oh, if man. they had started up some sort of fledgling <laughs> streaming service of <laughs> their own. <laughs> we could easily be talking about like, hey, did you watch that new show on the Blockbuster on, block, on, yep. on Blockstream or something? I don't know. You yep, know, like. Yep. There, Classic. It could have very easily been something that worked out in their favor, but I, t- you know, and I, again, like I said, I know that's an extreme example of just literally getting left behind in the industry, but it, it's also one where you got to think about it and be careful and realize, hey, we can be very, very good at something, but if we're not reading the room, mm-hmm. the industry, whatever's mm-hmm. going on around us, there's a good chance that we suddenly get left behind when everyone else has moved away from what we excel at. And the other part of that pendulum that we talked about is equally as important. You know, I, I know a lot of companies, especially younger companies that, you know, maybe they come out of the gate uh, with, with whatever they're doing. If it's a software company, you know, here are our core features of our software. And then they start getting ideas and they start hearing reactions from the marketplace and they start trying to accommodate all that. That can be that can be such a resource drain yep. on and take away from your ability to excel at your core, yeah. uh, which is what we're talking about here. I mean, if you start allocating uh, resources, human resources and stuff like that towards these other things that might maybe are turning into like little science fair projects, man, you got to be really, really careful yeah, about that definitely. too. And I think we've encountered that um, with our, some of our software partners before. There's oh, times yeah. when I've been working with software companies that clearly, you know, built themselves around a specific core and a specific, hey, we mm-hmm. we designed this for uh, for retail, mm-hmm. but we think there's a viable place that we could insert this into industrial realms somehow. <laughs> How like, many times has that happened to us? Yeah, it does. Like a POS and, software company. Will come, oh, well, you can use this anywhere. Yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> right, and it's and it's okay to say that. It's okay to right. say like this isn't for everywhere. It's 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 okay. To, it's okay to do two things. It's okay to explore it, but it's also okay to acknowledge, hey, this this isn't us. Right, you know, and and in that exploration period, fine, you devote some resources to that. But again, at the end of the day. Right at that moment, you still should be known as that POS retail company. And Mm -hmm. if if it means that, hey, it it can still be used off this direction Mm -hmm. and you find a viable path, great. Run down that path. But if you shift and say, you know what, we've we've already done this, we're good at this, we, we're going to coast along, and we're going to spend about all of our time trying to go after this new industry, that is a recipe for obsolescence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It happens out there. I've seen it happen to companies. I've been a part of it. I've been I've been in that world where. You know, in a previous life, I worked for a, a multimedia production company. We started getting into digital signage, and it was very, it was a very, um, you know, pointed decision to to go that route. And we knew that we had to keep the core of what we had, mm-hmm. the, that business, that multimedia production business, still going before we got into that. And it, it's just, it's really important to do that. You yeah. got to excel at your core, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then number two here, kind of is the almost an inverse, but also strongly connected. To number one, mm-hmm. expect change. Yep. Dean, I'll let you start riffing on that one. Right. So expect it's going to happen, right? right. <laughs> I'll go back to your blockbuster. You know, the, it, it's going to happen. Change is going to happen in yep. the marketplace. So you you need to have that disposition that change is going to happen. So the question now becomes, if you if that's your expectation, what are you going to do about it? Right. You know, it, you got to have that in your DNA. You have to be able to figure out and have a way to, to understand what change is happening in the marketplace. So what I would do is I'm advocating 
you know, certain ways that you can sniff out change? Because I, I know it's really hard for companies. They got their head down. They're trying to facilitate uh, what they're doing, you know, the orders that are coming in or the, the customers that they have. So sometimes when you have your head down and you're, and you're doing your work, it's, you don't see what's going on in the marketplace. So you have to be very deliberate in some of these things. So uh, number one, I would consume information, be in the know, yep. make sure that you, you know, separate out a little bit of part of your day or your week. So you're just reading about what's going on in the marketplace. Consume that information, monitor your competition. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a reseller in the East Coast, uh, find, you know, competition, people who do the same thing that you do out in the West Coast. Um, and what are they doing? You know, monitor their website, look at their blog site. Yep. What are they doing? Can you see that they're starting to pivot in some direction or some change? Oh, by the way, it's maybe even not a bad idea to reach out and connect with somebody out there because you're not going to compete with them. If you're 2000 miles away, not in the same marketplace, right. it's okay. I don't, it, it drives me crazy when resellers are like, you know, they try to be uh, very guarded with their secrets and they don't want to explore and see what other people are doing and maybe connect with these um, really you know folks that would be so far away that they're they're not they're never going to be a competition but but you can glean a lot of information by bringing them into your ecosystem and having that chat uh, about it go out and then my final thing here when how do you sniff out change because you need to expect change is happening in the marketplace go out and listen to your customers yep. they are the ones that are going to tell you hey you know they're they're reacting they're reacting to what's happening in the marketplace they're competing with other people so if you're a, if you're a POS uh, and you're in with restaurants and you got to go talk to those folks hey what's going on is there are there other features or other things that you need this to do our solution to do in order to accommodate the change that you're seeing in the marketplace got to go out and talk to them yep. listen to what they have to say you know it's interesting you mentioned like the POS and the restaurant thing and i, I you know i think about if you were a POS provider in the last year mm -hmm. who also had, you know, moved outside of just standard fixture where it's a, you know, a monitor, a system, a big old cash register of some sort, and you had branched yourself out and moved into the realm of, you know, mobile POS where, mm -hmm. you know, you can uh, take orders at tables or something or have a, you know, a, a system for people to place their orders at the table. Or maybe you already were in the game of, um, you know, outside ordering and, you know, uh, pick up to go or even, you know, had married yourself to some delivery services. You were already ahead of the game so that when when everything happened last year and mm -hmm. suddenly, whether you liked it or not, your restaurant had to shut down and mm -hmm. either change to a new model or just be out of business for a while, right? you were already there. But again, yeah, if, if you weren't thinking ahead, if you weren't, art, because it's not like, it's not like all that stuff was brand new. We didn't, you know, we didn't just start doing delivery and just start <laughs> doing pickup last year. Like, it was around, right. It was already there. Yeah. And it was already where the industry was headed anyway, because it's something that people were more interested in having. You know, people like the convenience of it. The consumer base, the customer base was already moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. you know, definitely not as fast as it had to happen, but it was still happening. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't on top of that and you weren't thinking about that, even if you, you hadn't moved your business yet, if at least you, you should have at least known what was going on and been having internal discussions about it and figuring out, hey, is this something we're going we're gonna to probably need to get here at some point? Mm -hmm. We're not ready yet. We don't think it's that big of a deal that we'd be ready yet, but we mm -hmm. need to get there at some point. And then last year told you, like, well, sorry, you got to do it now anyway. Right. But if you were thinking ahead, maybe you were ready to make that pivot a little bit quicker yep. than companies that weren't. Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, what if we work for a company that, that was stagnant? 
that didn't have the disposition of, hey, change is going to happen out there, and we just need to be cognizant of that. We need to have our ear to the ground of what's happening so that our business can morph into what's happening in the marketplace. Man, that would not be a good place to be. So if, no. you, so if you're listening to this and, you, and, you, and your company culture is not one where they're at least talking about what's happening in the marketplace and right. they're cognizant of the changes that are happening, look, I understand that you know uh, some companies, you know, ideas come to the table and this idea runs and you know, the other ones are, aren't by the decision makers and stuff like that. That all is fine. But but just having, again, the, the, the overall disposition that, hey, change is going to happen, that's got to be in that, in that company culture yep. so that you can react to that. And so if you're not in a company like that, man, I don't know. I'd be looking <laughs> on because... Dude, you got to you got to expect change. Change is gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and again, we all know change is scary. You know? Right. Most people are terrified of change. Mm -hmm. But you're right. If you're part of a culture that expects and understands change and is always and talking, talking about, about it, it yeah, exactly. Then it's then it's you get a lot more comfortable with it when someone comes yep. and say, "Hey, we're making these changes," rather than just like, yeah. "We're never gonna change. We're never gonna change. We gotta change." You know, that's. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of that industries that like would never change. Utilities, maybe. I don't know. If I work for the waterworks, I mean, it's water, it's pipes. Okay. <laughs> There's not a lot of change. But even there, I'm sure there's I'm technological sure that, yes, advancements and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. And point number three, rely on data. Mm -hmm. uh, this is always one of my, you know, uh, pet peeves of sorts because I, I, I'm not, I don't consider myself an analyst in any way. But at the same time, data is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. We gather data for a reason. Data tells you a lot of things. It doesn't tell you everything, but it can tell you a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And if you're not paying attention to it, you're not listening to it, mm -hmm. and you're not willing to do something with it, then what's the point? You know, mm -hmm. one, why are you even gathering it? And two, like what, you know, what are you going to get out of any of this? You mm -hmm. know, how do you how do you find your way forward? How do you figure out where change might be coming? Right. You know, if you're analyzing data, if you're seeing what's happening, you know, you're talking to customers and hearing what's going on with them, and you know, what are they experiencing in their day to day work? What's changing for them? And you're pulling all these data points together, it gets a lot easier to start looking at that stuff and go, hey, something's happening over here. What does that mean to our business? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and the other part of this equation too is if that's not your thing, if you're not great at the data analysis, that's fine. Understandable. But guess what? There are lots of companies out there these days that are. There are companies who devoted their entire existence and their business model to helping you analyze data figuring out what it all means and giving you some options and suggestions for how you can move your business forward with it. Absolutely. And, and part of the the rub here is that you, when relying on data is important. Data is out there and it can help augment your instincts and what you're going right. to use in the decision making. You know, a lot of business owners are type A per personalities and they're like, oh, we're going to go over here. We're going to start doing this and make a decision just based on their instinct. Well, Today's world, you know, there's so much data out there and available. Uh, it seems a little foolish to make those kinds of decisions without some kind of data behind it. It's, it's not the end all be all. Data is a data point. Right. It is yet another piece of the overall equation uh, that you would make. And, and I don't care if it's making a company decision or if you're an employee at a company where you're just offering up some data because you know 
hey, change is being talked about around here, and I heard this over here, and this is a good data point. You know, it, it, that's, a, that's a healthy work environment when people are contributing ideas and data to the whole process. But data is not one of those things that you have to freak out about. No. You know, there, there are resources out there, right? And so I personally have various resources that I'll go and skim to get some data like Forrester and stuff like that. We don't, we don't buy the whatever, their $5,000 um, um, uh, guides and right, stuff like right. that, but we'll skim the, the notes and stuff like like that. So there's data sources out there that you can become reliable on, but also keep in mind, and you, you were touching on this, John, what you were talking about. Let's riff on this. You can create your own data. Mm -hmm. So if you have an idea, there's nothing wrong with creating a quick survey, and there's all kinds of free tools out yep. there to do that. Whip up a quick survey, survey your customers on an idea or, or somewhere that you're thinking about taking the business. Let that be the data point yep. that, that helps drive you. Even if you get 10 responses, 20 responses, again, it's it's that real world thing of what's happening in the marketplace that we're encouraging you talk to your customers, understand what's happening out there. Those are good data points that yep. you can run and rely on the information that's coming to you. Man, I tell you, that is one of the, the the dumbest things I think a company can do is not talk to their customers right. and assume they know what their what their world is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I it's one of those things that oh, and it fascinates me even as a consumer when someone talks to me, especially in a sales role, and tries to tell me what my you know what my problems are or what I need or something. <laughs> With no rec understanding of, of who I am. Now, if they've done the research, if they've done the work, mm -hmm. and they've asked some people and talked to some people, and then come to me and say, hey, you probably are having trouble with this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And you probably have some troubles with this, too. Yeah. Well, then, have you tr thought about something like this? No. Well, let's tell you about it. That is a whole different conversation from, hey— I've got this. Right. You are going to want this. Yeah. Right. Two yeah. very different conversations where you put someone on, you know, on their back foot going, no, don't come sell me something. Mm -hmm. But again, yeah, if you've had some conversations, if you're talking to your customers, whether it is the customers that you have had for 20 years mm -hmm. or the ones you just picked up in the last month and you're asking them what's going on in your business, what's happening right now, what's working, what's not working. Mm -hmm. We're really focusing on this right now. Is that important to you? Yep. No? Okay. Yeah. Is that important to you? No? You? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe um, maybe we need to go back and rethink what we're doing here. I mean, and that's that stuff is very simple data points. Oh, yeah. That is simply yeah. like having some like yes or no questions we're talking about answer. rocket science right. here. Oh, and I got a pro tip for you. And I know all business owners know this, but if you're in marketing or if you're even accounting or in another department that's not sales and you're listening to this, don't rely on the data that just your sales teams gives you. Yes. I, hey, I love sales teams, but they're always going to be the ones that say, oh, our customers love what we're doing. And, and no, they're good. You right, know, there's right. no reason to so everything that they need. We are we are accomplishing for them. Yep. That, there's your red flag. And in all seriousness, you, you need to because not sometimes the sales rep is not getting the full picture of what your customers think, too. Mm -hmm. When I was a sales rep, I knew that I was probably getting a biased opinion of my product, my solution right. from my own customers. You know, they're they're giving, oh, yeah, we like it. And, you know, maybe on the side, they're having a side conversation. So surveying, it would be a great data point when you're trying to, again, think about how are we going to grow this company? How are we going to sustain our growth? Go out there, get an unbiased as best you can data points. One way you can do that is through surveying. Uh, there are other data points out there, but man, you got to use data. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it what you just said reminded me of this idea that 
you also have to be careful about those biases in the data that you get and make sure that mm-hmm. you're getting it from the right people and a mix mm-hmm. of people. Because right. I think of like what you just said, you're a salesperson and you talk to some of your favorite customers and ask them how stuff's going. Maybe they're just being nice to you and Probably. they don't want to be a jerk and they don't yeah. feel like, you know, telling you like, this is awful. I hate this or whatever, you know. They, but they might tell a survey that. Exactly. But mm-hmm. they might tell a survey that. And then the flip side also is don't necessarily ask for all your information from people you don't know at all and have no business with because that anonymity thing allows people sometimes to be a little more hypercritical than they right. have any reason to be. Absolutely. It's kind of like I always think of, you know, we've become a um, like a uh, user input for you know, rating things kind of world mm, mm-hmm. where, you know, like you go on Yelp or Google reviews or whatever. Absolutely. And, and there's always like those five or six reviews that are just trashing this place <laughs> and saying it's the most awful thing. And you don't know the context of that. Maybe they were just having a bad day right. or had one random bad experience that was not representative of the business at all. Mm-hmm. But now if you, if you go through a hundred of those mm-hmm. and, you know, 85 of them are bad reviews, that's a little There's bit more. Your sign. That, right. That's a yeah. little bit more of an indicator of what's yeah. actually going on. So you you know you do have to be careful sometimes about isolating data points, you know, and only having two or three that say one thing and making a decision off of that. The bigger your pool, obviously, oh, the better you get. Yeah, I mean, and the more diverse that pool is. Hundred well. percent. I mean, our, again, our optics here are sustaining growth for the company, right? right? I mean, th- this is important stuff. You need data points out yep. there, and not just a couple of little data points. Hundred percent. All right. Hundred percent. So uh, next up, we're going to have uh, number. Four is one that uh, if you have been listening to the podcast, we've already very much discussed in depth. I know you'll probably give a little more of a recap here, but build recurring revenue. Absolutely. Uh, maybe, I don't know, three or four episodes ago, we had an entire episode, again, from one of these particular articles, all about the idea of how to how to build recurring revenue in your business. But Dean, maybe give a little, you know, kind of a bullet point synopsis of what we discussed there. And if you're interested, you can go back and explore the rest of that episode to learn more. Oh my gosh. There's so much to unpack when it comes to recurring revenue. But I'll just make this statement, as we've made in the past, if you're a reseller and you're not uh, looking for ways to add and or modify your company into recurring revenue or some type of SaaS model, man, you need to be doing that at this point in time. There's there's all kinds of ways to do it. Yes, I'm going to give Jessica Croth a a shout out on our media (laughs) team. When you think about most of our resellers uh, that are selling and putting in solutions that have printers, my gosh, there's the whole media around that. There's the paper, there's the ribbons, uh, all of that stuff. This is high margin stuff that you can get recurring revenue on. But again, it comes down to a mentality of, of being able to think about your business. Again, we're talking about sustainability. How can you sustain it? Well, if you build a business that's around a SaaS model where you're getting that monthly check that's coming in so much more, that's so much more marketable as a company. Uh, and so much more sustainable as a company than not than going out there and finding those nuts every day, you know every whatever every week every month oh we got where's the next project where's the next mm-hmm. project just bringing in some recurring revenue even if it's okay keep your core and it's still you know uh, find a job sell a job move on to the next job you know find a job sell the job but if you can build in a little bit of recurring revenue in there too as well now you're adding some more sustainability it's it's going to start shifting the whole mentality. Uh, of your company uh, there. There's all kinds of ways, not just that, but you can get into service plans. You know, look for ways to to say, okay, what, what kind of services do we provide that we can annualize or, or charge on a monthly basis for these types of things? You can do that. If you're a software company, I came across a couple great articles on this. 
about how some believe it or not some software out there is still you know buy it and you got it uh, type of thing but uh, other ways that you can build into recurring revenue would be such things as like a membership program this is like members only area and resellers could do this too by the way you know if I'm thinking about it back in the day when we did digital signage man I I should have done like a membership program where you're delivering content you're building out a community you're offering coaching tips uh, you know to the, to the people that that you that are your customers Customers. You're offering some consultation services that sure you could do that for free as a part of the membership only program right. and charge for it. So there's some so there are some unique ways that you can do that. But the whole point of the matter here is build some recurring revenue into your company so that you can make it sustainable. Yep, I completely agree. You know, you reminded me of one of my previous uh, gigs was in uh, textbook publishing for yep. the higher ed level, mm-hmm. and you know. If you if you've if you've been to college or you have kids in college, textbooks are expensive. Oh yeah, especially new. If you're buying a new textbook, yeah, very expensive. Trust me. Even the all, used ones. It was the, like yeah, it yeah. was the one thing that it was the biggest complaint you'd always get is like how how much do these yep. things cost? Yep. And you know, even knowing from working in that industry and understanding what goes into you know the the creation of those books and where that money comes from or where it goes when you buy those things, it's still a, a ridiculously expensive industry, mm-hmm. and it's one where that 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 base level grow that base level of your business mm-hmm. was so difficult to attain when i was in sales there like mm-hmm. you could if you got a professor to use your book mm-hmm. for an upcoming semester that was one time if it was the first time they were using it and even then there were still used copies could be floating around unless it was a brand new first edition first time they were using it the first semester mm-hmm. You got a whole bunch of brand new sales out of that potentially. After that, kids are reselling it. They're selling it back to the bookstore. The copies are used. Yep. We got nothing out of that. You know, right. if someone's buying a used book, that means nothing. No to recurring me revenue for you. Exactly. So, <laughs> so even if they kept using that book, even if that particular person kept using that book year after year after year, mm-hmm. after a few years or so, unless they were just replacing old beaten up copies, mm-hmm. you may have only got maybe just a few that were sold for an entire class or an right. entire course each year. Yeah. And it, where things started changing for us is around the time that I was leaving, and I think it's it helped them out a lot, especially in the last year, was when we started shifting over to digital ebooks mm-hmm. and digital courses, mm-hmm. where you sell a subscription mm. fee online instead to somebody like, hey, here's six months access to this ebook, and it's also got all your built in, you know, homework modules, testing modules, online coursework. You can do digital highlighting, you know, all this cool stuff that you can do online, which you know. Modern, you know, yep. modern students love anyway. Yep. But that created then, that's had to have created for them this nice recurring model knowing like, hey, you can't resell that. Once you've got that code and you've put it in, that expiration's passed, you can't sell that back to the bookstore. The next student still has to buy it all over again. And you can start off from a cheaper base at that point where, hey, you know what? We're not going to charge you $200 for this. You t- could, but I don't know that they're doing that. They could. <laughs> I got two kids in college right now, and, and they and complain about that. some of them do, that. some don't. But, you know, but even, even if you did, but let's say you did, and you know, like, hey, we don't have to charge 200 bucks for this one book that mm-hmm. we know we're never going to see that sale again. Now mm-hmm. we can charge $70? For this access, mm-hmm. and then everyone still has to keep buying it. So as mm-hmm. long as they're still using this, we're going to make that money up and then some easily sure. along the way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. just a you know a, a practical yep. example yep. of you know where where adding recurring revenue can create the if you want to have this idea of sustainable growth, you have to have a base. There has to be a baseline that you know is is fairly steady and is always there. 
might take a dip from time to time if somebody decides to stop using something. But for the most part, you you can feel good like, hey, this is our baseline. Everything else we're going to do is going to be on top of that. And eventually, maybe you get to set a new baseline mm-hmm. and keep growing up from there. Mm-hmm. So. But in there, as you were as you were talking about that subscription type of service, you know, this is a great way for software companies and resellers to build recurring revenue as well. Look, if you're a software company and you can you can go out there and find affiliate softwares or softwares that we be bolt on or are close by your core uh, and add that to your overall product offering. For resellers, this is an awesome way. I mean, it's it's like the no-brainer way of going out there and finding, again, talk to your customers. What kind of software are they using? Where do they want to take their business? What applications are they looking for that could take them there? Become an affiliate of those types of products, and Mm -hmm. now you're adding a little bit more to your business uh, in in doing it in a very purposeful way that is recurring revenue-based rather than project-based. Yep. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. All right. Number five here, form strategic partnerships. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, this one feels like a little bit of a no-brainer, but we are, in, especially in this channel, I feel like this this is kind of a no-brainer, this channel, because this whole channel is all about having all these different components and different parts, too. You've got your vendors. You've got the value-add distributor like us. You've got the resellers themselves. You've got software companies. All these different you know pieces of the overall IT solution puzzle mm-hmm. that are all working together in one way or another. Mm-hmm. It, obviously, you have to have some relationships and some partnerships, but I think the key word here is strategic. And Dean, I'll let you kind of riff on that a little bit. Absolutely. Even though it makes a lot of sense to us here at Blue Star, because again, we live in that ecosystem. I'm not so sure most resellers have this disposition either, where they're out there trying to form strategic partnerships. And this is what we mean here is not just a partnership, not just, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to, we're going to start whatever, uh, working with this software company and maybe we'll add them on or yeah, we'll take on this hardware vendor just for this one particular job. And because they asked for the product and whatever. We're talking strategic stuff here. You want to dive deep with your partners that you're going to have in there. So if you're a reseller, we've already preached this, but just to reiterate, you want to have great relationships with your vendor partners. And those are things that you got to nourish. You have to exercise that muscle of talking to them and working on that strategic partnership because they are tapped into what's happening. The things we talked about, they're tapped into change, what's happening in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. They can give you data points to help you figure out what's what's a sustainable way to grow your business they're they're in tap with that so form strategic partnerships not just yeah we we buy product from xyz uh, vendor okay but if you want to take it to the next level if you want to have sustainability develop a strategic relationship where maybe you're, you've got ndas going between you maybe you have a contract with mm-hmm. those folks as well it's okay to, to develop those types of things maybe it's people that are providing peripheral services to your core it's okay to develop strategic again strategic relationships meaning get in there you know roll up your sleeves figure out a way that you can come to an amenable contract and maybe there's some referrals going back and forth and some fees being exchanged, that's going to be so much more meaningful than Mm -hmm. just oh yeah, we resell this product or, or whatnot. Same on the software uh, side. You know, if you're a software developer, uh, and we work with them all the time, you, you interface with software companies all the time that are looking to get in our channel, looking to perhaps get into an indirect model, form those relationships, form them with the vendors first off, that's a huge one. If you're a software development company and you're not forming relationships with purpose-built built devices and you want to get on our mm-hmm. channel, you are missing the mark, man. you got to have those strategic relationships. 
pick some of those those folks that you can develop the relationships with and just nurture them because they will pay out and they will pay out in the long run as well. So yeah. It's really, really Agreed. important. You know, we've had a couple episodes this year that kind of touched on this topic in other ways. We did, we did one all about how to be a good channel partner, yep. which explains how you can be the kind of partner that can right. form these strategic partnerships. Mm-hmm. And then we had another one that was about the vendor-reseller relationship, which you can apply this to anywhere in the channel, any two connecting points, really. That one of the key components and ideas that came up was this idea of making sure that your companies align. Yes, that you have right. similar values. Yes, that you have similar beliefs in how you go to market and how you work and and what matters. Maybe that your core competencies either match up and align or fit well together. You know, mm-hmm. complement one another in mm-hmm. some way. That's the kind of stuff where when when that works and that synergy is created, that's a strategic partnership that will take you places that you would not believe. Absolutely. That will make things so much easier when you when you go to approach a potential customer and you know that you have this great vendor partner in your back pocket or, you know, side or, by side with you, or you're coming in strong with a an awesome software partner and you both together can tag team and say, Hey, we got you covered on this. They've got you covered on that. Between the two of us, we're going to roll out the best thing you could possibly need in your organization right now. And, and a little bit of it is that, that that crawl, walk, run type of mentality right. in the sense that look, if you're if you've got some data behind you, you're you know you're having that conversation about how are how are we going to grow this company in the next five years, right? What are we going to start doing? And you got you got partnerships on the table. You need to come up with a strategy that is going to enable that kind of that crawl, walk, run, mm-hmm. if you will. And your point is absolutely valid that it, when you start vetting let's just say you're a reseller and you're vetting some software that you want to start thinking about you know you're, we're going to grow our business in this way maybe it's security let's run with security and and you want to start vetting some security options out there look have the conversation go through the due diligence don't don't just google a name and see who the top security person is or whatever software out there is and okay yeah we're going to because go they might have way. paid for that placement let's be honest right yeah. and and they may not match your dna right. at all they might not be you know let's say you're a slightly more conservative about your approach to the marketplace and you're going to crawl a little bit mm-hmm. you might be hitching up to somebody who's very aggressive guy whatever they just got another round of vc funding and they've got all these quotas that they got to hit and if you're not buying from them right now they're moving on yep. and they're not going to support you in any way so you got to do the due diligence you got to have the conversation form strategic partnerships you have that optic that you're looking at because if they're strategically aligned with you if the cultures align with you, that's going to be a much better foundation moving forward. Yep. And then uh, our final bullet point here, number six, minimize churn. And the article has a great way of describing this, which mm. is the leaky bucket effect. <laughs> uh, and we kind of, you know, I kind of referenced this earlier when we were talking about uh, the idea that, hey, you have to have some kind of a base level. You, yeah. you're, you, you, you want to have those, those steady customers that you can rely on. They might be, obviously, if you've, if you've got a recurring revenue model set up with them, that's that, that's that base that you can grow off of. Mm-hmm. But the important part, too, is to remember, like, just because they're your steady Eddie customers mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're there for life, yep. that nothing will ever change for them. They will never take their business away from you. So in my mind, I look at this as, hey, make sure you're always having communication with them, checking in with them, talking to them on a regular basis. We've, we've said that a few times now, too. Mm-hmm. Finding out what's going on in their world, what's happening. Are they still happy with what they're getting from you? Yep. Uh, you know, are they, are they, are, do they, what movement and changes are they seeing in the marketplace? Where do they think they're going to be going in the next few years or so? Because you don't want to hit that point where suddenly one day you look and you, know, you, you go to call on your favorite customer 
and they say, yeah, sorry, we actually moved our business you know, elsewhere, or we're looking at other places because you guys don't really do this anymore or don't do what we're trying to do next, and we need to get, we need to get on that. Yeah. Don't put yourself in that position. Don't you know? Minimize that churn by by keeping in touch with your customer base and making sure that 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 baseline of your profit is is maintained and you can grow on top of it. Because if you're not, there's no such thing as sustainable growth. Because all you're going to be doing is just struggling to you know, fill in those gaps, you know, you're struggling 100%. to plug those holes in that leaky bucket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most companies, they think about their core business. And, oh, okay. We're really good at what we do and, and we're honing our skills at whatever, you know, we're a reseller of ADC and nobody does it like we do. We can code it and we can install this anywhere. Uh, and so they just keep going, you know, customers, 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 and, and they think they've developed this nice little cash cow, right? We've got this nice little business here that that's, that's running really well. They're not keeping the optics on minimizing churn that you don't want to lose the folks that you've already worked so hard to get you know yep. you want to make sure that you're keeping them that you're adding real value to that whole proposition along the way and here the, with the leaky bucket bucket effect oh no you know what we had 100 customers last year suddenly we're down to 80 now we're down to see what what's going on right you don't right. want to be that person that's no. caught you know, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, that cash cow just turned into a cash calf or something. I don't know exactly. Yeah. So you little, know, little cow, <laughs> a little cow, tiny little cow. <laughs> uh, so let's let's kind of wrap yeah. this whole thing up here and maybe kind of you know uh, give our you know bottom line impressions of this. Yeah. And you know, a couple of things I thought of. Um, one, in fact, as we were just talking there, is this idea of like, look, don't don't get complacent. Don't ever assume that someone's not coming for your business. I mean, I know you all have, you know, almost everybody's got a competitor of some sort. Mm. But, you know, depending on where your business is and, and and how good you are at it, you might think that there's some of your business that's just untouchable. Like, mm -hmm. no, I got this. No one's coming for this. Don't don't ever make that that mistake. Because at some point, you were that young upstart, that up-and-coming business, that new business that went in and was stealing business away from mm -hmm. the old established tech guys that have been doing it for years and doing mm -hmm. it one way for years. Mm -hmm. Is there someone who's coming for you, too? Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, it, even if the, you never really know who they are or never even know that they're out there, assume that they are and operate according to that. Think about that as you're trying to figure out like how you want to keep your business moving, how you want to grow is again, that understanding like, look, someone's always coming for us. And if we're not looking for opportunities to grow, they're going to catch up to us sooner than later. And what if you work for a company that's maybe been established for a little bit and the ownership's a little bit, you know, they're they're, they're cruising, you know, right. they're, they're what we call lifestyle right. uh, type of owners where they've got a certain lifestyle and they're good to go. Hey, look, if you're in the sales department or the marketing department and you, uh, it's okay to be a little bit engaged in the company. And, right. and if you're the one that's kind of pushing this, that, hey, how are we going to sustain this growth? How's this company going to be around in five, 10 years? years and bringing ideas to the table, that's okay. You can yeah. be that person. Yeah. And hopefully you'll get a good response from ownership because look, I'd rather be in that position where, where you know, I'm kind of pushing it along. When, when you're pushing things along, also, by the way, expect some growing pains, which yep. is, which is a good thing to do. The, the reality is there that when you, when you have that optic of how are we going to sustain, how are we going to grow, expect some growing pains along the way. But here's, here's the final key that I'll throw on the table. It comes down to the people that are in the company, right? You've got, if you have mm -hmm. highly skilled, 
great people that are competent. Um, you can move mountains with people. So um, that is that is the main optic. And if you're on a good team environment and you're in a company that is that is open to innovation and looking in a very prudent way about how to sustain growth and not just throwing money and ideas on the table and randomly going after them, you're probably in a good pretty good spot because that company is going to have sustained growth over time. So think about that too. Yep, definitely. All right. Well, hey, listen, if uh, you have liked what you've heard here today, there's a few things I want you to do. First of all, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and I know a lot of you do, go into the show notes page, hit that five-star review. So easy. Yeah, you seriously, you literally just go in there and tap the fifth star. That's it. You're done. (laughs) And you can go about your business. You could have done it in the time I've told you to do it. You could have already done it. Yep. Hey, but if you'd like to, leave us a review, too. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you think of the show, Absolutely. Uh, what you like. I mean, you can tell us what you don't like, too. Well, you know, we'll make fun of you for that. But tell us what you like about the show. We appreciate it. Actually, you can tell us what you don't like, too, because we always want to grow and change and, and make ourselves better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so please do that. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to Blue Star's YouTube channel if you haven't already. We do all kinds of great fun stuff. We have a trivia show. We're doing cooking shows. Yep. We always have great uh, product videos and information from our vendors that you can find there. So no reason not to subscribe. Turn on notifications so you see when a new video comes out. And hey, like this video if you're watching right now. Again, super simple. Just click. Uh, but hey, if you want to get in touch with us, tell us a little bit more about what you think about the show. If you have some ideas for future topics or some questions you want to throw our way, uh, you can email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com or find us on Twitter at techconnectpod. All right, let's wrap things up with our recurring segments. And the first is our value to the VAR. Yes, sir. Which, I mean, let's be honest, this whole conversation has been valuable to VARs. Yes. But I, in particular, I wanted to wrap this up, though, by, you know, kind of tooting our own horn here a little Mm -hmm. bit of Blue Star. Uh, You know, and Dean, I'll I'll let you kind of start this because this is really your baby and wheelhouse here. But what kind of services does Blue Star offer to help our customers, uh, you know, with their sustainable growth? Yeah, that's that's part of our optics. I mean, we, we don't survive unless our customers survive. So we often think about, okay, what, what can we bring to the table as a value-added distributor? That's what we are, a VAD. What, what values can we bring to the table to help our customers grow and sustain? we got a couple of them. First off, there's that old, good old Tech Connect program that we have out yep. there. If you haven't gone to techconnect.com, go there. If you're a reseller, what the whole program is is developing the ecosystem around software development companies, resellers, Blue Star, hardware manufacturers, and creating that kind of ecosystem that we can live within and with in that program, we've got such things as end-user demand generation uh, programs. We have events that we do. We can connect software companies to hardware companies. There's a lot of good stuff. And oh, by the way, if you're a reseller that's looking for a particular software company, uh, ping up, you know, hit hit your sales rep up, and they will get in contact with us, and we can try to find you somebody uh, that we've worked with, that we've right. vetted through the process. So that's going to help fast track you, give you yet another data point uh, that can help you when you're trying to figure out how you're going to make your business grow. So we got the Tech Connect program out there. I'm going to go back to our sales rep because one of the things that we bring to the table is a one-to-one relationship that our sales team has with our reseller customers. That's huge in a way of, of trying to figure out how you sustain growth. When you're in that mode, you want to be as efficient as you possibly can with information, with getting ordering and stuff like that. So the fact that we have a one-to-one relationship with our customers makes your whole world a lot more efficient. If you don't do business with us today, try us out. You should. Yep. Uh, and 
our sales team, they're awesome. We have services. We call it Blue Star Services. Oh my gosh, our services team can really, really help companies grow by enabling them through custom configuration. Let's say you, you've won a big deal. You're popping the champagne. You know, you got to do a rollout of 100 locations or something like that. And then you sit back and say to yourself, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? Blue Star Services can help you. We have a config team that's awesome. They, they never say no. They right. just they just don't say no, right. uh, but they can help you in configuring your your stuff or, or doing a rollout. Contact us; we can help you grow because we can amplify your company, make your company look so much bigger than it is through our custom config services. So those just a couple of them out there, and of course we're yep. always there for the education part, like this Blue Star or like this Tech Connect podcast and the events that we're going to start going out there and doing. Mm-hmm. Lots of ways that we can help our customers um, grow and sustain growth. Yeah, we're um, you know we talked about strategic partnerships. We're we're pretty full of them here yes. at Blue Star. We've got <laughs> we've got quite a few. Of them. You know, I, 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 I've joked about it before, but when I first came to Blue Star, I remember kind of wondering like, what does this company do? Like, right. We don't make the stuff. Yeah. We don't use the stuff. We don't sell the stuff. We just we get the stuff from like it took me a while to understand. Totally. And then, but then once you get immersed in it, and you realize like what our place is in this channel and mm-hmm. and what the value that you know our VARs get from us, that mm-hmm. software companies get from us, that our vendors get from us, and you start realizing, oh man, like there's a really awesome place that we fill fulfill in this channel where we can yep. make things happen. That whole list of what you said is all just great ways that we can help make things happen. And, and more importantly for our VARs or software partners is to make it easier for you to get back to doing what you do well, which is innovative products, selling, yep. developing relationships with your yep. customers. We want to make that as easy as possible for you to be able to spend time with that and not have to spend time spinning your wheels and all the other stuff. 100%. All so, boats rise. There you go. Yep. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? This is where we kind of talk about something in the world of technology, innovation, science that's caught our attention. So maybe something happening in the news, some new gadget we're playing with. Uh, I've even used TV shows on streaming services because I'm a TV junkie and I just mm-hmm. feel like the need to tell people about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Dean, what's tech connecting with you? Well, I'm going to go with those streaming services okay. for here for just a second. What, what, what does Friday night look like uh, in in the Martin house? You know, if you're sitting down to watch a movie, you know, do you guys decide relatively quickly what you're going to watch? Well, let's Wait be, a minute. Maybe it's not I'll fair say, to I'm ask you junkie, this question. I'm a junkie, so I always have a massive list of stuff to watch in the future. All but right. but my wife, I will admit, is one who's a little more, a little more prudent and picky about what she watches mm-hmm. and you know probably 85 percent of what i would enjoy watching mm-hmm. she'd be like no that's not for me so well you know, okay so let me describe are. the reverman household on a friday night okay. well, you know i got my daughter sitting down my wife and we start scrolling through netflix and 20 minutes later we haven't made a decision it's like what what are we watching here uh are we even gonna watch something right, it's almost right. bedtime at this right. point in time so netflix has your answer and this is my tech connect they have a button now that will pop up after a certain amount of time that just simply says play something yep so all you have to do is tap the play something button and it's going to play something for you just something random but i'm assu- i'm assuming it's based on your preferences and interests because they try everything hope so. you watch and I hope they know so. what you like. But I read this and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, we, we have gotten here as a society. And, and and I'm in this. I'm in this bucket. I'm I'm who they've <laughs> developed this button for, unfortunately, that I can't make a decision. So now I'm going to have them they make the decision for right, me. Right. So yeah, I'm paying you Netflix so that I can watch movies. And now you're just going to even decide what I watch. Yep. You know, that could come in pretty <laughs> handy for my toddler. Like sometimes he'll ask to watch something and I'll say, well, what do you want to watch, buddy? And he's like... 
I don't you tell this this crippling like I, I, what? I got to make choices. I'm three years old. How do I make decisions at this point? Yeah. So maybe that might be helpful for him. It'll like be interesting to see how. On. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this you know works. Could, to your point, I'm assuming that they're going to serve me up some Netflix original content oh, yeah. that is based on I what I so. would what I've already yeah, watched or a couple of times. Even though those algorithms, I'm telling. Well, I guess. No, we've got different people, and I was going to say because when my daughter gets on there, she's watching shows that I don't really want to watch. Right, and, right, and right. When the, the rare instance when I can watch things that I that I want to watch, totally different than whatever they're. You know, so. a next step that would be kind of cool there would be like play something, and then it says who's watching, ah, and you could say yes. Dean and you know this kid, you know, are yes. watching. Like you know, we're the two of us are watching right now. It's okay go. based on both of your preferences. Yep, here's something we think you both might like. Yep. That'd be pretty cool. There's some AI that we need. That's See, right. That's a good. I'm going to send that to Netflix and be like, put a little copyright on it. Said, I'll take some cash. Thank you very much. I'll take some of that Netflix money. I don't know if that'll work or not. Probably not. Well, yeah. So, uh, okay, cool. What's tech connecting with you, my man? So, you mentioned on a previous podcast, I don't know how long it's go has been now, this whole non fungible token yes. NFT thing. NFTs. Which revolutionizing we, the world. If you want to say that, yeah. yeah. We, we were wrapping our minds around this idea. I, I don't know that selling I have something still. that doesn't technically exist and yet still not actually selling it. Well, another layer here is I just read yesterday about uh, the. Have you ever heard of the meme Disaster Girl? No. Mm-mm. So, anybody who's familiar with a lot of memes, you've probably seen it but may not know the name of it. So Disaster Girl is a meme mm-hmm. that people have done a lot of frequently edit for the, at whatever uses or add some text to. But it basically it shows a, in the background, there's a house burning and like firefighters are, are trying to you know put out the fire. And there's a little girl in the foreground who's like turned around looking at the camera with a little bit of a smirk on her face. That, oh, like an evil smile? Right, kind of implying that she's the one that set the fire. <laughs> oh, okay. So people have used this on many different occasions in got memes it, to it. illustrate, you know, like, oh, you know, um, I did this kind yes, of thing. Yes, you know, or like yes. watching it all burn to the ground in glee kind of stuff. <laughs> well... That girl, first of all, that's an old meme, apparently. It's been around since 2012, I think. And, and somebody turned this into an NFT? Well, there's a there's a quick little story behind it. That was apparently actually a controlled fire that was being done in the neighborhood for the fire oh. department in order to, you know, to do some training. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the neighbors had all shown up to kind of watch it and hang out and everything. And apparently this little girl and her dad had gone to see it. And at one point the dad asked her to take a, you know, take a picture of her. <laughs> oh, with so the it's fire an innocent. In the yeah, I right. gotcha. All right. And he said to smile and she gave this perfect <laughs> smile, which just looks like I'm the one who did this kind of thing. Well, now that girl is 21 years old oh. <laughs> and she has just recently sold the sold that as an NFT on an auction for $500,000. No, 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 no. A picture a, a single picture for 500 grand. Yes. And and see, and, okay. What are people doing? There's a couple interesting kickers here. One is apparently this is a thing. I mean, we know the NFT is a thing. Mm-hmm. But like this whole like selling memes thing now is a thing in the NFT world. Because the, but the original, the, it's not even, I guess it's the original. Go ahead. Well, the guy who uh, who worked with her on this, like the agent, I guess, for this. Oh, is, there's NFT agents yeah, out there now. There's an, he's an agent <laughs> for, he's an agent for the family that had the success kid. Remember the little oh, kid yeah. on the beach, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, pumping yeah, yeah, his yeah. fist, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. success. Right. Him, the Irma Gerd girl. <laughs> you know what that is. You know exactly <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about. So he represents all these people that have these like goofy no. memes that are out there in, in the world. And he sold a bunch of these for all kinds of money. But the, here's the kicker that drives me nuts where I can't wrap my head around all this is they said in the article that the family still owns the copyright to that picture and will still get a percentage of any future transactions related to it. 
Why? What? So then what did you sell? Yeah. What did someone spend spend $500,000 for? I guess they sold the original digital file uh, of maybe? that. Maybe, I don't know. And 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 so only one of those exists, so there's scarcity. That is, I'm just I'm riffing with you it's, here. I I don't what would be the value of that? So there is only one, even though you can duplicate it. Yeah, it's you a, can it's a if you thing. seriously you can make, go on the internet right now and search Disaster yeah. Girl and you will find the original picture and hundreds of memes related to it. Well, not the original picture, well, I guess, because now that's NFT'd. But, but, but well, that's just it. Me, what does that mean in the digital uh, exactly. world? Exactly. Why is that worth 500000 Who paid $500,000 for something that's everywhere? Like, like we literally. said before, it's people with a lot of disposable Not only income. did they spend $500 on... $500. $500. Even that would be, a, would still be a crime yeah. in my mind. But five hundred grand. But you're saying that they don't even have the copyright to that? So the family's no. still making money on it? Yeah. God, brilliant. I, I mean, I, we need to get started making some memes. Marco, we need to start going out and, and just making some we stuff We just need up. to just, like, we need someone. Just random pictures. Marco, just while we're recording, just start randomly taking pictures of us or right. pulling snippets out of the podcast where we have goofy looks on our faces. Yes. Something that's memeable in some way. Which let's building be honest, in the background. These two faces are probably memeable on a pretty regular basis. <laughs> yes, so, absolutely. I'm sure we can figure out something. Oh, we need Make help there. We we need to shift our. I don't know how it's can probably we get, too late now. Like if you're trying to do it now, it's too late. No, 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 you're, no, you're no. Never no. Hey, it the topic here is sustainable growth. So <laughs> we're gonna start today, <laughs> and we're gonna figure out a way that we can sell an NFT for. I'll go for a mere hundred grand. There I'd be go. happy. There you go. This is ridiculous. <sighs> I don't get it. Anyway, so, that's yeah. what's. Sort of tech connecting. You got me perplexed tech as well. Baffling with me right now. <laughs> tech All baffle. right, that tech that, beef, tech baffle. Got <laughs> that's it. That's right. That does it for us today. Uh, it is time for us to unplug. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation. Uh, for Dean Reverman, I'm John Martin. Until next time, stay connected. By now, we all know that purpose-built mobile devices are better than consumer, especially in healthcare. But if your customers insist on using them anyway, insist that they protect them with Code Reader 7000 Series healthcare-grade battery backup cases. Made of PVC-free Code Shield disinfectant-ready plastics and Dragon Tail shatterproof glass, CR7000 cases are ready to protect iPhones from harsh chemical disinfection and provide full enclosure from bacteria and viruses. Combine that with an easily swappable external battery that more than doubles the life of the phone, and you have the perfect solution to make comfortable consumer-grade devices ready for intense daily use. Fully enclosed means fully protected. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star Code representative. By now, you probably know that adding touchscreens at check-in and throughout the care journey has a big impact on patient experience in healthcare. But what about the providers themselves? Give them the technology they need with ELO 03 Series Medical Grade Touchscreen Monitors. Merging ELO's best-in-class touch technology with DICOM 14 functionality enhances clinical review, improves workflows, and eliminates common keyboarding and point-click errors. Compact, clean designs make these monitors perfect for EMR documentation, image viewing, clinical collaboration, lab and pharmacy work, and much more. To learn more about these built-to-last monitors, check out the link in the show notes or contact the Blue Star ELO team. Do you create innovative, problem-solving software, but struggle to expand your audience or engage with hardware manufacturers? Zebra is ready to help with their Partner Connect program. As a member, you can take advantage of development support, go-to-market tools and resources, and collaborate to establish new reseller relationships. Zebra will also provide technical support, testing, discounted demo equipment, and more, while improving your visibility with their partners, resellers, and sales team. 
To learn more, watch an overview video, and sign up, check out the link in the show notes. Hey, while you're there, check out Blue Star's Tech Connect program, designed to help you engage across the reseller ecosystem and provide additional opportunities to network, meet new partners, and even take advantage of our unique end-user marketing strategies. Sign up now at techconnect.com.